A couple of weeks ago, my family and I took a quick trip to New York to visit our extended family and to uh, celebrate our nephew's graduation while we were over there. It is kind of a weird time to be selling, celebrating graduations, but we did that, um, and we we're glad to be able to do that. And while we were over there, I said to my wife, I want to make sure that while we're here, I get a hike in in the Adirondack Mountains. Now, as many of you know, I grew up in the Adirondacks, and I really in, enjoy hiking, but hiking these days looks a lot different than it did several years ago when I would go hiking. Several years ago, when I was, when I was a teenager, when I was in my early 20s, and I'd go hiking, we'd run down the trails, and we'd jog up the mountains, and we'd come back, and, and we didn't have any sore muscles at all, and we were ready to go the next day. Well, to say that things have changed would be an understatement. These days, I take about five Advil before I get out of the car, and I'm sore before I get out of bed, but we still go for whatever the reason anyways. So, so we planned a trip, this, this trip over to New York to go hiking, and uh, we planned a big one. We went about 16 miles, and we did three mountains and had about 5,000 feet in elevation gain. Um, and so we said, all right, if we're going to get this done, we're going to need to get on the trail real early. And so that's what we did. We got on the trail before the sun was up, and we put five miles between us and the car, and we're on top of the first mountain before our first mid-morning snack. So everything was going well. We went down that first mountain and up the second mountain. It was a little bit harder, took a little bit longer, um, but we were on top of the second mountain by lunchtime. <clears throat> everything was going great. We sat down, we ate our lunch, but then after sitting down for a little bit and starting to get back up, things started to tighten up. My body, my knees, my back, my lungs, my heart, my ego all started to tell me, I think you're done. I think you're done. The problem was I couldn't be done because there were still nine miles between me and the car and another mountain to go up and over. And so I limped along and I stumbled up the mountain and, and down the other side and all the way back to the parking area. I don't know about you, but sometimes life feels like that hiking trip that I just took. Sometimes life is tiring and exhausting, and all you want to do is just sit down and say, you know what, I've had enough, I'm just going to sit down and say, I'm calling it quits. But then you realize, wait, I can't call it quits, i got to just keep limping along and, and stumbling along and doing the things that I need to do in order to live my life. I don't know about you, does, does that describe you this morning? Feeling tired this morning? Feeling tired most mornings? Sometimes life is exhausting. Sometimes parents, parenting is exhausting. Sometimes marriage is exhausting. I won't have you say any amen to that or anything like that if you're sitting next to somebody who might elbow you. So, sometimes work is exhausting. Sometimes school is exhausting. Sometimes relationships are exhausting. Sometimes even our faith is exhausting. Oftentimes when we think about our faith, it takes much more work to keep living out our faith, to keep moving forward than it would take to just walk away from God or sit down into a seat of complacency. So why do we do it? Why do we keep living out our faith when it would be just so much easier to not do it? Well, let me ask this question. 
Why do I go on hikes when I know it's just going to be torturous to my body? I know I'm going to be sore. I know I'm going to be hurting, but yet I do it anyways. I could just sleep in instead of getting up on the trail before the sun's up. I could just go to the pool or to the beach or take a nice leisurely drive in my car, but why do I choose to go hiking? Well, because for me, the view from the top and the accomplishment of checking three more peaks off my list, that's worth it. Now, why do I choose to be married when in so many ways it would be easier to just stay single? Well, Because for me, the joy of spending every day with my wife far outweighs the struggles or potential arguments or potential uh, disagreements that we might have every day with spending with my wife. Why do I choose to have kids when it would be much, 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 much easier to not have kids? Because the joy and the fulfillment of having them in my life far outweighs all of that struggle. Now, here's the point that I'm trying to make. We don't live out our faith because it's easier, because sometimes it isn't easier. We live out our faith because it is more fulfilling It is more joyful. It is more purposeful. It's more hopeful. It gives us answers to all of life's tough questions. It gives us joy in life's hardest circumstances. It gives us peace when the world around us is in full turmoil. With all that said, here's what I believe to be true about faith. Faith, when done right, does not grow weary. And so maybe you're thinking right now, wait a minute, I am weary. So are you you telling me that my faith is not done right? Well, you're gonna have to stick around and hear the message this morning. Don't sprint out right now all offended by what I've just said. Uh, Hear what Scripture has to say. And know that just like every single one of my messages, I'm preaching to me just as much as I'm preaching to you this morning. Our passage this morning and my message this morning are going to end with these words, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. And that's where I'd like us to get today concerning our faith. As we begin Hebrews 12 together and and we consider the truths that are presented there, I'd like us to come to the place where we can say with confidence, I will not grow weary. I will not grow weary. Would you say that with me right now? I will not grow weary. I'm going to have you say that today, this morning, and it's something that I want you to remember today. It should be easy to remember because there it is right up on the screen. So every time today that I point to you, I want you to say those words, I will not grow weary. Let's practice that right now. All right, so I can expect that you guys are going to do a much better job than the first service did, okay? It's a competition. I will see the winner next week. If Jesus is truly greater, as we've been saying for the last seven months or so, if our faith is truly real, as we've been focusing on for the last several weeks, then we can say those words. Not too bad. I want to focus on three actions today that we need to take so that we consider our faith. We can say those words with confidence. I will not grow weary in living out my faith. 
I'd encourage you, as Brian said, to, to turn to the sermon outline this morning. It's on our website, hbcmanchester.org. Follow along with the points there. I'd also encourage you to keep your Bibles open to Hebrews 12 this morning as we look at the first three verses of that and we consider living out our faith. For the last several weeks, we've looked at Hebrews 11 together, which has been called the faith chapter of the Bible. Chapter 11 gives us examples of people of faith, people like Abraham and Moses and David and the prophets, and we see their attitudes and their actions, which are on display for us as this is what people of faith look like and act like and and think like. You know, actually more than a tenth of this letter to the Hebrews is spent, focused on the faith of others. Why is so much of this letter talking about other people's faith? Well, we get the reason for that right here in verse 1 of chapter 12. Chapter 12 starts with the word, therefore. I remember when I was in Bible college learning, if you see the word therefore, you have to ask yourself the question, what is it therefore? Okay, because a book or a thought doesn't start with the word therefore, it is making reference to something that was just said, a passage that was just describing something. So when we see therefore, we say, what is it therefore? What was just said? And what was just said? Well, in chapter 11, the author says, look at all of these people of faith. They are celebrated They are commended, they are praised because of their strong belief in the promises of God. Therefore, and here's where chapter 12 starts. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Okay, so so here's all these people of faith and we are surrounded by them. Okay, and this gives us the basis for where we are going to go with our three actions today. This is the point that the author is making. He's saying all of these people of faith, all of the believers of God in the Old Testament, all the people who have gone before you, all the people who lived out their faith and and held on to the promises of God, they're examples to you that it can be done as you think about living out your faith, that it has been done, as you think about living out your faith, that you're not alone. You see that word witness in verse 1? It's an important word. Therefore, since you are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, uh, it's not saying that that up there in heaven, there's this huge cloud, this, this big multitude of witnesses, and, and they're all looking down on you as like some reality show. Huh, I hope that she doesn't mess up. I hope that he continues to live out his faith. No, they are not witnessing us. They are witnessing to us. It's the same word in the same context that's, that's written in Acts 1.8 where Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Okay, so these people of faith and many have said that, that they're cheering us on and, and, and that's okay. I think they're cheering us on with, with how they've lived their lives. Okay, but they are witnessing to us in the same way that, that we witness to others about Christ. This people of faith, this cloud, this mass, this multitude, this great company of believers of God, they're not spectators, but they're active 
witnesses, examples to us of the, I've been there, I've done that, concerning living out the faith. So this group of people, Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and the people of the Exodus and the judges and and the kings and the prophets, all the people who have gone before us in the faith are all examples to us. They are all witnessing to us to say, we've done that and you can do the same so that you might not be weary in living out your faith. But maybe you are feeling weary today. Know that you're not alone, but also know that it can be done. But there are some things that we do need to do so that we can confidently say, All right, about half of you, you're fading, you're growing weary. Look back to verse 1 of, of Hebrews 12. Again, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. So the first action that you need to take is when you are weary, lay some things aside. Notice the word also There in that verse. So again, it's saying, like they did, also you should do, referencing the people of faith. And what you need to do is look at your life and say, now there are some things in my life that are weighing me down as I'm living out this faith, and I need to get rid of them. Several years ago, I planned to do a hike with a good friend of mine, and we, we made the plan, we're going to pack our bags separately, we're going to meet early in the morning again at the trailhead, and we're going to set off and do a really long hike together. And so we did that. We met at the trailhead, we had our bags, we hiked on down the trail, and after we got a little bit down the trail, my friend started saying, my shoulder is killing me, my back is killing me, my bag is so heavy. And I said, well, what do you got in there? And so I said, can I take a look at your bag? And so I, I pulled this bag open, and I said, oh, let's, let's take a look here. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, you have like eight extra pairs of clothes. What are you expecting to do today? So I took out the clothes, and I threw them aside. I said, you got a full first aid kit. That should be good if we fall off the mountain. Okay. He had several guidebooks with him just in case we got lost, a full flashlight. Okay, And this is when things really started to get heavy. I pulled out gallons of water. This is a true story, by the way. These are on your back. What are you doing? And then, lastly, a full axe. What are you doing with an axe in your backpack? And so, so after some persuasive reasoning, I said, hey, let's take that water and let's take that axe and, and about 90 other pounds of things that you have on your back, and, and let's Take them out of your bag, and let's lay them aside here on the side of the trail. And after doing that, my, my friend said, you know what? I, I'm feeling better all, all of a sudden. I'm feeling lighter. I got more spring in my step. And we were able to then continue on down the trail and climb up the mountains and, and have a good day. Okay. I think there's a picture there when we consider the weight of sin. Okay, so when we have these sins in our life, and they are clinging to us, and we're living a lifestyle of sin. All that does is weigh us down. So as we're trying to live out the faith, okay, it's just wearisome. It's just tiresome because it's fighting against the direction that we are trying to say. When we're seeking to live out the faith, 
and the promises of God, but we're carrying this weight of sin on us, the result's going to be exhaustion. We can't live for God. We can't lean on the promises of God. We can't successfully be a follower of God and hang on to a sinful lifestyle. We have to lay those things aside. Now, our passage today doesn't make any reference to any specific sins, but Scripture is not quiet and it's not apologetic in its opinion of how destructive sin is in the life of a believer, how destructive sin is in the life of the church. If you have sins that are strapped on to you, if you're habitually choosing in your actions and in your attitudes and in your lifestyle to hang on to sinfulness, then it will absolutely negatively affect your faith. It will make living out your faith into a laborious, tedious, tiresome, burdensome, wearisome, joyless existence until you choose to do one of two things. You choose to say, you know what, this is too hard, I give up. I'm walking away, I'm done with this. Or you choose to say, you know what, I'm going to take some of this weight, some of this sin, and I'm going to lay it aside. I'm getting this out of my life. And then all of a sudden, with new spring in your step and with new joy in your heart, you're able to confidently say, yeah. In Ephesians 4, through 24, the Apostle Paul says it this way, put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So first and foremost, if you consider yourself a person of faith, but you're feeling weary today as you seek to live out your faith, let me ask you, what do you need to lay aside? What is it in your life that you're saying, this is weighing me down? What sins in your life are you saying, you know, I don't, I don't need these here, not if I'm going to live for God. There shouldn't be one of us here this morning who says, well, this part of the message, you know, isn't really for me. It's really about the people over on that side of the aisle. They're much more sinful. Okay, how they're living, that's much worse than me, so I'll, they need to hear that this morning. No, because all the people who are lift, listed in this faith chapter of the Bible, they struggled with sin too. Okay, so every person as we look out into the church and every person that we look out into every church in every country around the world, they all have sin that needed to be dealt with on the cross. And they all have sin that needs to be laid aside after salvation. So the people of faith are witnesses to the fact that they're all just pointing to God as the one that we should follow, that we should imitate. A passage from Ephesians which says, put off the old self and, and put on the new. It says, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. He gives some examples of sins that we should put off and, and some holy actions that we should strive toward but then it says this, therefore, be imitators of God. Just take that sinful stuff in your life, your, 
your anger, your laziness, your lust, your greed, your bitterness, your pride, your addiction, and, and lay that stuff aside. Get it out of there so that you might have joy in your life, so that your walk might not be wearisome. Look back to Hebrews 12, verse 1. Again, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So we see there the second action that we need to take. When you are weary, run with endurance. Now, on face value, this sounds a little bit crazy. You're feeling tired? Run. It sounds an awful lot like a soccer coach I had. Okay, we'd get back from running miles and miles and miles, and he'd say, hey, you're looking a little tired. Maybe you need to do some running. Give me another mile. I'm not saying that we should never rest. I'm not saying that the Sabbath is a bad thing. I'm not saying that vacation is evil or retirement is for wimps. But I am saying that we should never stop running. After all, I'm talking about living out the faith. There should never be a break or a vacation or retirement from living out our faith. That's why I started the message this morning by saying, faith, when done right, does not grow weary. I think the point that my soccer coach was making, I think, was if we're feeling tired, we need to run more so that we have endurance to run later. If we're going to be in better shape later, we need to run now. And I think that's why the author of Hebrews compares living out our faith to running a race. Hebrews says we are to run. He also tells us how to run with endurance. But how do we get to endurance? We run. Okay, so in other words, we develop our faith by developing our faith. We learn to live out our faith by living out our faith. Now, after I do a long hike, I come back and I'm sore. My knees hurt. Back hurts. I'm tired. My muscles hurt. And the only thing that I can do at that point is to rest. I just need to take some time off. I can't go hiking again anytime soon. I've got to rest this body. The same thing is not true when I consider my faith. If I take some time off from my faith, if I take some time off from living out my faith, if I take some time away from God, I don't get rejuvenated to, to do more for God. I become complacent. And the more I become complacent, the more complacent I get. And the only answer to that is to run. To run towards God. To say, God, I see where you are and I'm running there. I'm coming after you with endurance to be an imitator of you. If you're weary and living out your faith, the answer is to live out your faith, to endure whatever difficulties that are in your life through faith, to persevere through whatever trials are going on in your life through faith, to run towards God instead of sitting on the sidelines or walking away from Him. When we have true faith, 
It not only means removing this weight of sin that is on our back, that is in our life, that is clinging so closely to us. It also means staying on the path and running towards God. It's, it's not only a don't do, it's a do. Okay, so we put off sin, and, and that's, that's good. You know, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. But unless we replace it with a, and now do this, then we're, we're bound and determined to just start putting that sin right back where it started from because we're going to get weary. So we lay some things aside, but then we run with endurance. And do you see what the end of that verse says? In the path that is clear, it is set out before us. When that path is clear and it is set out before us, it is not wearisome. It only becomes wearisome when we veer off from the path. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27 says. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not beat as one boxing the air, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control. Okay, so our race has purpose. We don't run aimlessly. We, we run toward something. Okay, so we don't just work and do and do and do and do and do because we are religious and, and religious people do, right? No, we live out our faith and we run toward something and that something is God. It shouldn't be one of us who are here this morning who are thinking, well, that's all well and good, but that's for people over there on the dark side of the aisle. Okay? They're the ones who aren't living out their faith. Me? <laughs> I'm running with perseverance. I'm doing just fine. I want you to consider an Olympic athlete this morning. When you think of an Olympic athlete, what do you think of? I think of somebody who works hard to get good at what they're doing. And I don't think of the word complacent. What happens when an Olympic athlete gets complacent? They're finished. They're done. They can't compete anymore with the best athletes in the world. And that's when we're talking about the best. What about the rest of us? Well, if they need to work, then we need to work. And that's true in faith, too. When we keep on running with endurance the race that is set out before us, then we can confidently say, Look back to Hebrews 12, starting at the end of verse 1. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. See in that verse the, the third action that we need to take when you are weary, turn your focus on Jesus. That's how we know where the path is. The path is, that is set out before us is toward Jesus. Sometimes we grow weary in the faith, not because we have a weight of sin on us. 
Not because we veered off from the path, or not, not because we sat down into a seat of complacency, because we could be running right down the right path, doing the right things, ministering to others, worshiping God, doing good, but our focus is not in the right place. Our focus is not on Jesus. And you know what the end result of that is? We grow weary because we are not doing it under the strength of the one who allows us to have strength. Now, why is it that running towards Jesus and focusing on Jesus helps us to not be weary in living out the faith. Well, listen to how Jesus is described in verse 2. It says, He is the founder of our faith. In other words, He is the beginner of our faith. Faith starts with Him. He authors faith. We know that He's the giver of faith, and if He's the giver of faith, then we need to look to Him if we want to have it Okay, we see that in Ephesians 2 as well, where it says that faith in itself is a gift of God. And not only is Jesus the founder or the originator of faith, but he's also the perfecter of faith. And that means he will bring our faith to perfect completion. So we see this picture of Jesus as the founder and as the perfecter. Faith begins and ends with Jesus. So when we focus on Jesus, we have this unending supply of faith. That's why we can confidently say, faith, when done right, doesn't grow weary. But when we turn our eyes away from Jesus, and we start to do even the right things, but not under the power and the faith of Jesus, not under the focus of Jesus, we start to get tired, start to get frustrated, and we start to grow fearful. One of the great miracles that Jesus did when he was on earth is he walked on water. You probably know the story. Jesus came walking on the water while his disciples were in the boat. And they looked out. It was nighttime, and they saw someone walking on water. And, of course, what was their reaction? They were afraid, as any of us would be if we saw someone walking on water. But out came Jesus, and he said, Don't be afraid. It's me. It's Jesus. And Peter said, Jesus, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to get out of the boat and I, and I will come to you. And Jesus said, come. And so Peter did. He stepped out of the boat and he walked on the water to Jesus. His focus was on Jesus. His faith was in Jesus. He was excited. But then Scripture tells us that the wind started to pick up and the waves started to get a little bigger. And Peter turned his focus from Jesus and he looked at the wind and he looked at the waves and what happened? He began to sink picture there is clear. When our focus remains on Jesus, we can do just about anything without fear, without worry, without becoming weary. And we see in verse 2 of our passage of Hebrews 12 a description of the pain and suffering that Jesus endured at the hands of sinful men to pay for the sins of mankind and that sacrifice allows us to have faith. It allows us to have a relationship with God. But the reason it's mentioned here is, is that it's giving us an example of enduring in the faith. So look at verse 2. It says, look, 
looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. Here's what that verse is saying. Jesus endured suffering because he wasn't focused on the suffering. He was looking past to the joy that was set before him. And so he endured the suffering, and on the other side of it, he was able to be seated at the right hand of God. His joy was made complete. Now, what does that mean for us? Well, first, as as we see Jesus pictured on the cross, that means we have a Savior who allows us to have faith. As we see him seated at the right hand of God, that means we have an advocate who is fighting for our faith. But then as we see him enduring, means we have an example so that we might live out our faith. And when you keep your eyes on that, Jesus, the founder and perfecter of the faith, the one who went to the cross, the one who was seated at the right hand of God, the one who was an example of enduring, then you can confidently say, get ready for it, Now, some of us who are here today, actually all of us who are here today, have some sins that are just clinging on, that are just weighing us down as we seek to live out our faith, and because of it, we are weary. I'd ask you to think about your life and and to think about what sins you have in your life that you just need to lay aside, you need to put out of your life so that you can continue running the race, and you say to God this morning, God, forgive me of those sins, and God, give me the strength today to to lay those sins aside so that I might be an imitator of you. Some of us who are here today, all of us who are here today, have some complacency in our lives. There's some areas of our lives where we're like, you know, I've just been sitting on the sidelines in that area concerning living out my faith. I'd ask you to examine your life and say, where is it that I need to get back on the race and run with endurance this path that is set out before me? And say to God, God, forgive me for where I've been complacent and give me the strength, Lord, to run the race that is set out clearly in front of me. Now, some of us here today, all of us here today, need to turn our focus more on Jesus. Even when we are running the race in the right direction, even when we haven't veered or haven't sat down in complacency, even when we don't have that weight of sin on us, we still are prone to turning our focus away from Jesus. Ask God today to forgive you for that and say, God, give me the strength and the wherewithal to to turn my focus on the object of my faith. And when we do those things, we will not be weary. Some of you, though, are weary this morning. If I'm honest with you, I am weary this morning. I did a lot of thinking as I was preparing this message about my own weariness and about the fact that I was going to say, faith, when done right, does not grow weary. And so I have some soul-searching to do myself. I want to tell you that there are some sins in my life that need to be dealt with. There are some areas in my life where I have grown complacent. There are some areas in my life that even though I'm doing the right thing, my focus is not on Jesus, and so 
I am weary. And as I've talked to many people of hope, I think that many are in the same boat. They're weary. But when we come together and we turn our focus on Jesus and, and we worship Jesus and we remind ourselves of the truth of Scripture, all of a sudden this joy starts to build up in my heart. And the weariness starts to fade away. I'm reminded of the passage from Isaiah 40, verses 28 through 31. It's one of my favorite passages. It says, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases his strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I ask the worship team to come up at, at this point. We're going to close our service today singing the song, Oh, Praise the Name. And in the song, we're going to turn our focus completely on Jesus this morning. And that's what I would encourage you to do, is to turn your focus completely on Jesus as we sing this last song. Now, I know some of you uh, are uncomfortable singing. You don't normally sing when we sing in worship services. I would encourage you today to sing. Turn your focus on Jesus and sing. You know the Scripture commands us to sing more than it commands us to love each other? Okay, so, so sing out today, and I would encourage you as well to raise up your hands in worship. Now, maybe not quite that high. Maybe if you're a little less comfortable down here somewhere, just raise up your hands to God. It's not for anybody else in the room, okay? Scripture tells us to do that as well. Okay, so turn your focus on Jesus. Sing praises to Him. Raise your hands to Him with all of your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and He will renew your strength. Let's pray together. God, you are good. You are worthy of our worship, worthy of our obedience, worthy of our time and energy, worthy of our praise. Help us to lay aside the sins that weigh us down and, and cling so closely. Give us endurance to run the race that is set out before us. Turn our focus on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. We pray in his name, amen.